This is Crow Inquisitors, and you're about to hear some original fiction inspired by the game. The First Step Antonius stepped into the forge, ready for the day's work, but not for the day itself. Looking back, years later, he could never have been ready for that. He put on his gloves and apron and then stoked the fire, using the bellows to guide it to just the right temperature. He was making hinges today, for one of the churches in Lucerta, he couldn't remember which one. He usually didn't bother himself with the goings-on of the church, except to offer a simple prayer at mealtimes and give the normal tithe when he and his family went to service on holy days. Speaking of family, Antonius thought, frowning and looking around as he began to heat up the metal for the day's work. Where is that blasted boy? His son was late. Again. Antonius sighed, but knew there was no help for it now. He could go looking for him, but he was already working, and he may as well continue. Antonius wiped some sweat from his brow, though too late to stop a bead from dripping into his large red beard. Antonius tried to put all thoughts other than the work out of his mind, and began. He went about it carefully and meticulously, not only with the piece itself, but with the forge and his instruments. He always treated this work and his tools with respect. You could get hurt easily in a forge if you didn't respect your tools. He rehearsed the lecture he would give to his son today about safety procedures in his mind as he used a pair of tongs to grab a sheet of heated metal that would become one of the panels of the hinge, positioning it on the anvil with one hand while he hammered the panel with the other. He had more or less finished with the first panel when his son stepped into the forge, disheveled and obviously annoyed. Antonius ignored him at first, placing the thin sheet of metal into the long trough of water that was the quench tank, watching it steam and hiss. Antonius tried to let his own anger release with the bubbling water, but when he turned back around to face his son, he found the boy putting his apron on backwards, a smug smirk on his face as he met his father's gaze. Are you intentionally provoking me, son? Antonius thought darkly. You will find that does not go well for you. Why were you late again, Adelmo? the smith said crossing his huge arms across an even huger chest. Do you have anything to say for yourself? I was busy, Adelmo said, his young face screwed up into a half-grimace, half-smirk. He finally seemed to discover that he was putting the apron on wrong and tied it across his neck and waist as he stepped towards the forge. You're not working until you answer me, Antonius said, sidestepping to stand in front of the boy. You're being completely irresponsible. Any other master blacksmith would have sent you into the gutter by now with the way you're behaving. Adelmo seemed to glare up at him with a hard question. Why don't you? Antonius faltered under that glare, and Adelmo pushed past him to begin working the bellows. Antonius closed his eyes and began a silent count in his head in an attempt to calm his nerves. Why was it always so difficult to speak with his son? Why did he feel like nothing he said got through to the boy? Antonius tried to decide how far he was going to push today, and decided that he didn't have the energy to follow through with his ultimatum. He felt weak for admitting it to himself. His father certainly would have called him that for not immediately taking a switch to the boy. But Antonius wasn't his father, and he didn't know how to be. Maybe he didn't want to be, anyway. Antonius sighed and turned back to the quench tank, dipping the tongs into the water and bringing out the cooled panel. It wasn't quite done and so he put the metal back into the forge to heat it once more. He tried to lose himself in his work again, and imagined a different life, where he and his son were on good terms, and they weren't almost destitute, and he wasn't about to lose his guild membership. 
And there it was. For just a moment, he did. For just a moment, he and his son worked in harmony, as one man. For just a moment of crystallized hope, he could believe that everything would be all right. Then his son was taking his apron off again, and Antonius didn't know how long it had been. He frowned at his son as Adelmo left the apron on the nearby workbench and hefted a box of nails. Where do you think you're going? Antonius said as the boy began to walk away. The smith took the metal out of the forge and laid it on the anvil. Delivering this to the taskmasters down at the wharf district. We were supposed to bring this yesterday, but Tula was sick, remember? Adelmo met his father's penetrating gaze with stubbornness. Antonius knew what would happen if he let his son leave. He would disappear for the rest of the day, as he had been doing for weeks now. He should have put a stop to it the first time, but for some reason he hadn't, and now it had been so long that, though Antonia certainly wouldn't admit it to himself, it was too embarrassing to backtrack now. Besides, Adelmo had a perfectly legitimate excuse to leave. He was right, they needed to get that order where it belonged, and he was short on apprentices. They continued to stare at each other in a silent battle of wits before Antonius finally, painfully, relented and waved off his son. The boy headed off down the street, having enough sense to at least not look smug about it. Antonius sighed and put down his tools again, rubbing his hands across his face as if to wipe away his growing shame. What was he doing with that boy? Ruining him, he was sure. His father would have beat some sense into Adelmo by now. But somehow, Antonius could never bring himself to be his father, to be the harsh, stubborn force he was supposed to be. Though, maybe it wasn't even about that at all. His father had been kind to him as well, had held him when he cried, clapped a hand on his shoulder in pride when he had done well. Had Antonius ever done that for Adelmo? He must have, though no memory flooded his mind to confirm it. Antonius felt as if he was in a deep, dark pit, without ever knowing how he had gotten there. He had just taken so many steps in the wrong direction, constantly looking back over his shoulder to try to hold on to an idealized past that he hadn't been watching where he was going. He didn't know what to do, and so he would do what he always did. Go back to work. Pound iron. Forge steel. Feel useful. Do something with his hands that seemed to matter for once. That's it. He would start again. He would... We're out of money again, she said and her voice burned him like he had stuck his hand in the forge. Antonius turned to see his wife at the door, the one that connected their house to the workshop, her eyes hollow and accusatory. She had long, dark hair pulled up into a head wrap and a pale complexion. Antonius had once thought she had been beautiful. Maybe he still did? What do you mean, Ilya? he asked, trying and failing not to flinch as he met her eyes. Just what I said, Ilya responded. I need to pay the grocer today, and we don't have anything. The guild fees had to go in instead. Adelmo is on an order right now, Antonius said, turning back to the anvil and bringing up his hammer. He'll bring back money for the market. Ilya frowned. Will he? Antonius froze in mid-swing. Adelmo had done it before, and recently it had become more frequent, spending money that should be brought home on who knows what. And Antonius hadn't had the steel to stop him to do anything else but give idle threats and bluster. He'll be back, Antonius said, though he wasn't sure what he meant by it. He tried once again to turn back to his work, but Ilya continued. You let him run off again, didn't you? Antonius's breath caught in his throat, and he could feel the veins in his neck begin to strain. He let the charged air in his lungs out through his nose in a slow exhale, 
before turning back to his wife. I told him to go do his job. If he decides to run out after he does that, I can't stop him. He shook his head sadly. Not today. I have work to do. It's always work with you, Ilya nearly hissed, twisting the cloth of her dress in her hand in that way she always did when she was angry. But somehow we never have any money. Why is that, Antonius? The city is on hard times. Everyone is short on coin. Not the other masters in the guild? How are you among their number when you can't even hold steady jobs? Almost no one is paying you anymore, Antonius. You've lashed out at customers. You're losing our son. I'm losing our son? Antonius snapped as his nostrils flared dangerously. What about you? You enable these little escapades of his just as much as... He stopped himself before he finished that damning sentence and threw down his hammer. Chaos, Ilya. I don't know how to fix any of this. The only thing I know is that arguing with you or with him isn't going to pay the grocer. It's this work and this forge. That's what matters. Leave me in peace, woman. He sighed and leaned against the quench tank, trying to regain his calm. When he finally looked back up at the doorway, Ilya was gone. At least she listened to me, he thought, for once. Antonius picked his hammer up off the ground and turned back to the panel of metal, now cooled but still imperfect. He sighed and grabbed his tongs again. Now, this is a fine place, isn't it, Master Julian? A musical voice said from the street outside the forge. Antonius glanced up to see a pampered-looking nobleman with a well-groomed mustache and dressed in finery, sporting a vibrant red half-cape and six or seven rings, strolling down the street. The nobleman pointed at Antonius and spoke, a little too loudly for the paltry distance that separated them. You there, Smith, what do you make here? Antonius frowned and considered ignoring the man and going back to work, but it was never good to just ignore a noble such as this. I'm a smith, as you said, my lord. I make tools, sometimes weapons and armor. Ah, very good, very good. I was just telling Julian that I need a good sword made. Antonius looked the man up and down, noting his wiry frame and noticeable lack of anything resembling muscle, and quirked an eyebrow. The noble didn't seem to notice Antonius's assessment, and instead was looking at an older man, balding, wearing fine-cut gray clothing of a rather serious variety. What do you think, Julian? I think my Lord Sen could do better, the older man said. Lord Sen seemed to think on this, weaving a finger through his mustache and inspecting Antonius's forge. Antonius was just starting to get annoyed at this intrusion when he realized what this might mean. A noble commissioning him for a special sword? This could easily be an answer to his problems. Not only would it undoubtedly pay well, even if the man tried to skimp him, but he would have a piece to submit to the guild for inspection, to prove his membership. The fees would stop. Antonius coughed, trying to clear any remaining pride lodged in his throat, and gestured at his anvil. My lord could not find a better man for the job than me, if I may be so bold. I would gladly make the weapon you desire. It has been some time since I was able to work on something that challenged me. Part of his little speech was bravado, and a part of it was real. As much as he longed to lose himself in work, any work, the chance to toil away on a piece of art, rather than just something utilitarian, was an intoxicating possibility. The nobleman, Lord Sen, nodded at Antonius, but said nothing as he stepped under the awning that held the forge, and began to poke at the tools on Antonius's workbench. 
Antonius flinched and raised a finger to begin the sort of reprimand he would give to a novice apprentice in the forge when, fortunately, the nobleman interrupted him. What does this do? Sen said, poking at a rectangular block of metal with an oval depression in the center sitting on the workbench. That, Antonius said, caught off guard by the question, is a swage. I use it to shape metal into a particular grooved or curved shape. Sen nodded thoughtfully and then pointed at a row of metal stakes with different sized and shaped heads. And these? Punches, Antonius said slowly. I can make different sized holes in something I'm working on by choosing the right one and pounding it in with a hammer. I'm sorry, my lord, does this have a point? Sen frowned up at him, and Antonius could have sworn his mustache frowned along with him. A man can't inspect the quality of a potential contractor? Uh, no, of course, Antonius said, trying to bite his tongue. I can show you the rest of the forge, if you like. Make sure everything is up to your standards. The words came slowly, and with attention that the smith hoped Sen didn't notice. The noble nodded, and Antonius began to show him around his work, pointing out various tools and larger equipment as Sen nodded along. Antonius was sure that the man wasn't understanding anything that the smith was explaining, but at the moment he didn't really care. Painful as it was, he would play the part until he got what he wanted. At least he thought he would, and that he could, until Sen began to poke and shift and prod at everything. Antonius held his tongue at first, but when the man nearly got his hand caught in the grindstone as he tested out the lever with his foot, Antonius lost his patience. My lord, please stop that! You'll hurt yourself. He said it much more bluntly than he had intended. Sen gave him another withering look and got up from the grindstone, sniffing in that infuriating way that only nobles could. How they could show disdain so easily with only their breathing was beyond him. Master Julian, he said, billowing his half-cape with a dramatic flair, I believe we are done here. Antonius stood in shock for a moment before stepping forward and catching the man by the arm just in front of the forge. No, wait! A member of Sen's entourage put a hand on his sword hilt and gave Antonius a dangerous look, but the smith didn't let go. Sen was glaring at him with disgust. Why I never? Antonius stewed for a moment, meeting the man's gaze in desperation. He needed this. He didn't even really know why anymore, but he had to do this job, even if it didn't solve all of his money problems. He needed to be an artist again. I'll give it to you for half the price of any of the other masters in the guild. You won't find a better deal anywhere else. Sen seemed to consider this for a moment, and held up a hand to stay his soldiers when they took a step forward. I'll need it soon, and it needs to be a replica. Antonius frowned. A replica? Yes, Sen said. A replica of Atarian's legendary golden blade. You know the one, spikes all over it and everything. And it needs to be light. Light enough to swing with one hand. That wouldn't be an effective weapon, Antonius said. Sen rolled his eyes. I'm not planning on actually stabbing anyone with it. Antonius nodded slowly. All right then, I can do it. Sen gave him a tight-lipped, almost sarcastic smile, and then looked back down at where Antonius still gripped his arm tightly. The smith reluctantly let his hand drop. Very good, the nobleman said. I will be back. He stopped suddenly and sniffed again. 
not a disdainful sniff this time, but as if he was smelling something foul. And then Antonius smelled it. Something was burning. Sen's eyes went wide as he glanced behind him and saw his half-cape being licked by flames from the forge. The cape had landed directly in the fire when the man had billowed it dramatically as he began to make his exit. Antonius grimaced. Sen let out an alarmed cry and jerked away from the forge, though of course the half-cape came with him. He began waving his arms frantically at the flames, though he didn't actually beat at them or take off the cape, instead essentially dancing around madly with a flaming half-cape until he ran headlong into the workbench lying a few yards away. Sharp tools toppled off the bench, and more than a few seemed to land directly on the nobleman as he twitched and flailed with abandon. Antonius could only watch in horror as the man was cut and bruised by sharp and heavy metal objects, his half-cape still flaming. After that, several members of the man's entourage seemed to shake themselves awake and burst into motion, rushing over to stamp out the flames and bring the man back to his feet. Sen sputtered and blustered about his cape and his aches and pains for a moment before he seemed to regain a sense of composure. He turned on Antonius with fury. You! He pointed at the smith with an accusing finger. You did this to me! You'll pay for this smith! Antonius blinked in incomprehension. I didn't... I told you not to touch anything! Sen gestured with a flick of his wrist. Guards, arrest this man for assault on my person! Antonius felt his heart stop. No, that's not... Three burly men stepped towards him, hands on their weapons menacingly. I didn't do anything, Antonius said, holding his hands up to ward off the guards. I warned him! He gritted his teeth in frustration. Antonius was a large man, and incredibly strong, but he didn't know how to fight. Not really. Not yet. He had been in a few scuffles as a kid, but nothing to teach him anything about how to effectively overpower a man. And so, as the guard stepped forward, and Antonius determined he would refuse to be taken, it was only a few brief moments before the opposite choice was made for him. Two of the men pinned him down, while another tied his hands. He could see Sen talking with his steward, the balding man from earlier, complaining about his clothes being ruined. The man seemed relatively unharmed, despite what had happened. Antonius grunted. Why? Why would you do this? I didn't do anything to you. Lord Sen seemed to not realize at first that the smith was talking to him, and only looked over at Antonius when his steward nodded in his direction. When Sen did glance at Antonius, he did not answer his question. Instead, he only smirked, folded his ruined half-cape across one arm, and walked away. Antonius was led after him three men keeping his hands painfully behind his back. The smith glanced back once as he came to the threshold of the forge and saw his wife staring back at him from the door, a look of utter disappointment on her face. Then Antonius took another step, and he left the forge, his family, and the life he had once known behind. 